Welcome back to To The Point at the Wilson Center's Latin American program. I am your host, Benjamin Gadan. The increasing popularity of electric cars and energy storage technology is shining a welcome spotlight on South America's so-called lithium triangle, where Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile see enormous economic opportunity in the production of a critical component of rechargeable batteries. Chile and Argentina are among the world's top lithium producers, and Bolivia holds the world's largest lithium reserves yet to be commercially developed. Today, I am joined by energy expert Patricia Vasquez, the author of a new Latin American program report, The Lithium Triangle, The Case for Post-Pandemic Optimism, to discuss the recent setbacks and extraordinary promise for the lithium triangle, and its potential to help power a global transition to renewable energy. Patricia Vasquez, thank you so much for joining us on the Wilson Center's To The Point. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It was a pleasure to read your excellent uh, new bulletin that published by the Latin American program at the Wilson Center about the so-called lithium triangle. These are the South American countries of Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile. Your paper outlines an optimistic view of the lithium sector in South America. Um, and in particular, it's potentially critical role, both for the global transition to renewable energy. As everyone knows, lithium is a key component in rechargeable batteries needed for energy storage and, and importantly, needed to power electric vehicles and as an important potential economic driver in South America. And yet, before the pandemic, the industry in South America and elsewhere was really suffering. Low uh, you know, demand, um, excessive supply, unfortunately low prices, and then it's even worse during the pandemic. And so this sector with so much promise has actually been experiencing quite a rough patch. Patricio, what's going on with the global lithium sector? What is going on with the lithium triangle? What was happening before the pandemic was that there was an oversupply of lithium. And so that brought the price of lithium down around the world. And one of the reasons, um, an another reason that had an impact on that uh, dynamics was the fact that China, which is the main driver of demand for electric vehicles, the government of China back then decided to lift subsidies on electric vehicles. So that created a lot of uncertainty as to what the, the supply and demand curves would look like into the medium term. So the markets reacted uh, by being cautious. And, and so uh, demand didn't freeze, but went down and investors were kind of on a wait and see attitude. And so with prices going down, then investments that had an impact uh, on investments. And uh, interestingly enough, though, in the lithium triangle, for example, Argentina, especially because back then, if you remember, there was a, an investor friendly government of President Macri, they managed during that time to attract a lot of investments, because of course, investors see this, these are long-term projects, these are decades-long projects. And so investors look into the future and countries in South America have a lot to offer with very high quality lithium. So even back then, before the pandemic, uh, you could see the potential that the lithium triangle countries had and have into the future. 
We talk a lot, Patricia, about the lithium triangle as if it's you know one market for lithium with one approach to producing lithium and to the broader lithium value chain. Your report makes very clear that there's a real diversity of strategies when it comes to taking advantage of this resource and maximizing its economic development potential. You talk about whether there are you know, market-friendly policies, whether a more statist approach, whether there is or is not cooperation and coordination among the countries of Argentina, Bolivia, and Chile, and how the politics in each country has changed and affects the investment climate. I wonder if you could take a moment and take us through country by country, how the current governments and, and previous governments have approached the lithium sector in the lithium triangle. Yes, they, each country had a, a different approach. And we talk about the lithium triangle, Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina, but we must keep in mind that there are other countries that are little by little coming on board because they're discovering lithium, Mexico, Peru, Brazil. It's a different kind of lithium, but, and they're still getting started, but we have to keep that in the back of our minds. In terms of uh, Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia, they had very different approaches, like you say. Argentina gave a lot of incentives for attracting companies, and they, they were really successful. They have around 19 projects. Two of them are producing already. The other ones are in a very advanced stage of uh, going through the feasibility periods and, and all the process that they have to go through. In the case of Chile, their investments froze a little bit, or rather they didn't freeze, but they, they were not as strong as in Argentina because the government uh, considers lithium to be a strategic uh, product. And so they have very strict quotas for investors in order for export quotas, and um, investors are required to sell part of their 25% of their production domestically at preferential prices. And the reason why investors got a little, uh, there the, the were issues between investors and the government as to what the price should be for selling domestically, as to the, the quantities that they should be selling domestically. And so that really kept investors away from Chile, unfortunately. And so that explains why, uh, for example, until 2017, Chile was the largest lithium producer in the world. But then, back then, when investments decreased, Australia surpassed Chile. And now Australia is the number one um, producer in the world. Um, in the case of Bolivia, it's an interesting case because they've been, the government is, is the one controlling the lithium sector. And as a result, they've had a lot of problems uh, finding the funding to develop the, the sector, also gaining the know-how. This is a new sector. Everybody's learning. Uh, they created a state-owned company to manage the lithium uh, production and lithium developments together with in, in joint ventures with the private sector. But they were also very much focused on adding value to lithium. Um, I'll make a parenthesis because I think this is important. All countries are very much focused on not just selling the raw material, but also adding value to it. And this, I mean, you can go back in history, these countries, um, they're, they're tired of selling raw material and having other countries add the value and, and, and sell the product. 
asks for more. You know, I always, I always talk about uh, Swiss chocolate. When we think about good Swiss chocolate, we think about the cow and all that. But the chocolate comes from Africa or from Latin America, but they take the the, the bell. So, and just to clarify, uh, in the case of in the case of lithium, Patricia, when you talk about adding value, you mean producing a battery, producing a, an electric right. vehicle. That is how con- uh, governments think. In fact, in, in terms of going down the value chain. In terms of uh, starting to produce batteries or or battery cells, we can talk about it later. But I have other ideas for adding value because obviously this way of adding value did not really work. For example, Bolivia produced a pilot electric vehicle. Argentina they created a um, a model of an electric airplane, and in all cases, the three countries they also started to get into the battery manufacturing uh, industry, and none of that worked for many reasons. But it opened the question on whether this is the right path for these countries to take. And this is one of the reasons why I think that, and we can talk about that later if you'd like, but I think that a multilateral approach that looked at, at other ways of adding value would be perhaps more valuable. You've talked about the investment climate in these countries largely from a, a policy perspective um, and other challenges, access to financing in Argentina, clearly um, the Chilean uh, state involvement, the Bolivian state dominance of the sector. There are also social and environmental concerns that have shaped the investment climate in the lithium triangle, um, indigenous rights and access to land, and in particular questions about the use of water in extracting lithium from the brine. Without getting overly technical about the process of producing battery-grade lithium in Latin America, could you talk for a minute about the way uh, indigenous and in particular environmental concerns have conditioned the lithium triangle's ability to maximize production of lithium and play the role we think it, it should and can play in you know, producing lithium at sufficient quantities to satisfy this growing international demand? So lithium is a metal and it is not used as a metal in producing batteries. It has to be processed into lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide. That process, which already adds value, by the way, to the raw material, during that process, a lot of water is used. It's really a very simple process. They extract the lithium uh, with water. They used fresh water to extract it. And then they let it sit in very big ponds and they, they let it evaporate. Remember that this is in, in, in the Puna and up uh, in the desert. So the sun is very strong. So the sun evaporates the water. Then what's left there, that's what is processed into the lithium carbonate that it use, it is used for batteries. And so there is a, an issue about, um, two issues about the use of water, whether there's enough water in a desert to use into the production of lithium. And the second issue is concerns about contamination of local rivers, which are, I mean, if you think of it, these people are using water in a desert to produce lithium. So I think that the concern is, is well taken. And in my opinion, and the opinion of, I'm not an engineer, but I've, I've read a lot of uh, papers by engineers, um, a lot more research needs to be done to really assess the impact uh, on water of production. There are 
indigenous communities that live in the area that drink from those rivers. They depend on that water. There's also other issues, like uh, in Chile, there's uh, communities that the area is developed as a tourism area, and there's a flamingo community. I don't know if that's the right word, a flamingo community, I guess, uh, that lives there. And apparently, lithium production close to those where those flamingos are may impact or is impacting, we don't know, the water that the flamingos drink. And so that is creating a lot of concern. So all that to say that there are important issues. Uh, in my opinion, more research needs to be done, not in a general way, but for each salt lake, because each case has its specific characteristics. Patricia, we just have about two minutes left, but I don't want to leave our listeners um, feeling pessimistic about the prospects of the lithium triangle. And that's because of a a widely held belief that in the post-pandemic environment globally, a lot of the economic stimulus, particularly in places like Europe, will go toward renewable energy, will go toward this, this idea of building back better and will finally bring about this skyrocketing demand for lithium that you refer to in your publication for the Latin American program, and that initially led to such optimism about the possibilities of the lithium triangle being such a driver of economic development and of a global renewable energy transformation. Patricia, is that naive to think that in the post-pandemic environment, the lithium triangle really could be this phenomenon that we had all hoped and expected you know, years ago? actually say think like i say in my report that the pandemic paradoxically has created a great opportunity for lithium triangle countries both europe and the united states uh have included or are considering including lithium in their list of uh strategic or rare metals uh in the case of Europe, uh, the United States is a little bit more delayed, but it's coming too. They're very rapidly developing their uh, electrification of uh, electric mobility. And there's going to be a lot of need for high quality uh, lithium. And uh, what they will be demanding is high quality, security of supply. And I really think that If the lithium triangle countries got together to find ways of cooperating, uh, they could create a product that is the best of its kind in terms of social and environmental standards, for example, in terms of uh, production standards. They could even create a regional certification, uh, sustainability certification that would give them, they, they could become, I, I was telling someone the other day, they could become the Louis Vuitton of the, of the lithium industry by selling a high quality product. Uh, the only thing that I think that countries could explore and, and what I say in my paper is that they could explore that instead, for the moment they're competing against each other, it would be great if they could collaborate and they could take a multilateral approach to find a way of shielding the lithium industry from the political and economic volatility of the region. And they could do that. Patricia Vasquez, author of the new report, The Lithium Triangle, The Case for Post-Pandemic Optimism. Thank you so much for joining us on the Wilson Center's To The Point. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. 
This episode of To The Point was produced and edited by Oscar Cruz. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at lap at wilsoncenter.org. Thanks for listening.